When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on awkward plus one requests, how to handle hard times for your child's friend, what to feed your international guests, do you need to reciprocate for a thank you gift? And how to handle a gift suggestion that makes you a little uncomfortable. All that, plus a Postscript segment on foreign travel etiquette. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Dude, countdown is beginning. I know. I kind of can't believe it. Like, it's fantastic. I'm freaking out. As we've been like planning the show and figuring out like when we're going to have to do double recordings because we do not want you to have any repeats. We want to make sure that you get a fresh show each week. And I'd even suggested maybe we take a little pause or a hiatus. And Lizzie said, no, we can make this happen. So what are we talking about? (laughs) We're talking about Dan going on his honeymoon to India for a month. And technically, it'll be about two weeks in Northwest India and two weeks in Bali. We have plans. We're going to keep you posted. We want to get enough information out there. So over the month while I'm away, even though the podcast is going to continue to happen, our idea was to seed the podcast with just enough information. So if you were curious, you could say, oh, oh, Dan's in Udapur today or (laughs) something, something to that effect. I think it'd be really cool for for our audience to follow along and kind of know where you're going to be when. I think that's awesome. And it happened to work out that just as this show got launched, I think I got engaged within a month of, of us starting yeah, to record did. this show. You did. So you for did. a lot of our early listeners, this is maybe the sequel or the conclusion of an early storyline for Isn't one of the show. early episodes, yes, 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 and that and that's what Pooh just said. She said, I yes, so. yes, yes. I think so. It's like the fourth episode or something, yeah. Totally. So, ooh, your romance has actually really been like a thing on our show. It's been a baseline. I've, I've For sure. I've been very fortunate for yeah. the last couple of years. You have. I just think it's awesome, but you've got a lot of prep to do. I mean, you're going to be away for a month. There's a, yeah. There are actual real etiquettes to thinking about this. We, I just should, pluralized etiquette, but that's okay. We should take a picture of the, um, the, oh, calendar, the calendar, the whiteboard we should calendar show that everybody. you drew up yeah. in your office that, that shows the schedule. the schedule for when we record and when shows air. It's a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at where this show comes from. How and we figure it out. Definitely yeah. looking at the, the next month, the month of January. I'm going to be gone from January 28th to February 28th. So exactly a month. So we had four shows to sort of slot into the earlier recording time. So we're doubling up recording shows. That's definitely. (gasps) That reminds me that we need to ask you right now today. Send in your questions all throughout January. We need you to send in. We need a double dose of questions. As many questions as you can so that come February you get fresh questions. And we've both been prepping the show and Pooja and I have been prepping also trying to get ready to be away for a month. And there's 
two layers to that preparation. There's the preparation for the travel itself, which we're doing partially with my parents, as you may remember, regular listeners to the show, and partially on our own. But then we're also prepping to be away. So that's the home as well as the work situation for both of us. And today's postscript is going to be the first sort of forward projection from that future planning. We're going to talk a little bit about the portion of the planning that involves getting ready to be abroad and being in a foreign country. I love it. Well, before we get to that, do you think we should answer some listener questions? I do. It looks all right, but what am I supposed to do? That's the question. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question today has to do with awkward plus one requests. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I was recently a bridesmaid in the wedding of a dear friend. The wedding was on the smaller side, and the bride let me know that a mutual acquaintance had not made the guest list. The bride, the friend, and myself all went to high school together. The friend has actually known the bride longer than me, but has not, over the years, stayed as good friends with her. There is no bad blood, and while the bride is very fond of this friend and sees her several times a year, she just didn't have room to invite her. In turn, I'm also very good friends with this acquaintance who was disappointed to not be invited, but understood that it was because she hasn't stayed in touch as well and she knew she could have. I received a plus one to the wedding, and immediately the mutual friend began coyly lobbying to be invited as the plus one. Alas, I let it slip to the friend that I had a plus one, which was probably a mistake. I didn't know what to do, and it seemed awkward somehow to ask. Ultimately, as I was in the wedding party and wouldn't have been able to spend much time with my friend anyway, I decided not to use my plus one at all. Oddly, the same situation is played out with almost the exact same details for two of my friends in the past year. In one instance where a friend wanted to bring me as her plus one and I was the mutual friend, none of us were certain what the boundaries for plus ones were with the lines blurred like this. We know that a plus one entitles a guest to bring whoever they want, within reason. But in the case of a mutual friend who was aware that she was not originally invited, it seemed like by inviting them, we were taking the guest list into our own hands, so to speak, which felt wrong. What is the final word on this? Is it okay to bring a mutual acquaintance who knows they weren't originally invited? How should one ask the bride? Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Mallory. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's a weird one because typically a plus one is a bit more like a date. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone to dance with and that sort of thing. And it's not that a friend can't fill that role. It's just so she was a bridesmaid in this situation. And bridesmaids are almost always given plus ones. It's one of the things that sure. happens. So I can see why she wasn't just a guest at the wedding who received a plus one as opposed to this friend being invited, Mm -hmm. which that's awkward, too. It's like, oh, you're willing to give Mallory a plus one, but you're not willing to invite me to the wedding? Like, ouch, man. Gotcha. The bridesmaid consideration for the plus one is part of your thinking here. I don't want to slight the friend who wasn't invited, but if Mallory wasn't a bridesmaid Mm -hmm. and she had received a plus one, it's almost like saying, I would rather Mallory's stranger date be invited to my wedding than my mutual Mm -hmm. friend, you know, who I just see once or twice a year and who I'm very fond of but isn't making it's the not guest a close list. relationship it's kind of an yeah. interesting thing when it comes to plus ones i've just mm-hmm. i've noticed that but i personally think it's best in this situation a no one should be lobbying for a plus one spot if you know a friend has a plus Agreed. one that's just bad etiquette and i don't like it and therefore i'm comfortable and not that i want to say bad etiquette deserves you know bad consideration or inconsiderate behavior in return but you get where i'm going with this i do. That was the yeah. point of bad etiquette that jumped out at me. Yeah. And then I wondered about the second thought. Do you then 
get drawn into that by saying, because she's behaving badly, I'm not going to bring her. And maybe... Maybe yes, maybe no. I think it's... I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that you are an invited guest to an event. And whatever's going to make you feel comfortable is what you should run with. And I'm going to go further to say that if you had wanted to extend this invitation to the friend, I might call the bride and just check and just say, you know, hey, I was thinking I don't have a date. I'd love to invite our mutual friend. I just wanted to check with you before doing it. I haven't asked her yet. Mm -hmm. So if you have reasons for not, I can totally just not have a plus one come with me and no hard feelings whatsoever. But I just figured it might not be a bad idea. Yeah, that's getting very close to the first answer that popped into my mind Great. where I was really thinking that the point of etiquette is that a plus one is really your decision. It is. And the less it you is. get engaged in the machinations of what the bride intended as she fashioned her grass, if you've got a genuine question, call and ask. But otherwise, really follow your own heart. It's sort of an, an, an honesty question for yourself. What do you want? Right. What do you want? And I, I will just say it can be really awkward for a bride who chose not to have a friend come to a wedding to then have that friend come as a plus one. It's a weird sort of way of almost like, see, I got to come to your wedding anyway. And if the bride really wanted to extend that invitation, she would. And maybe it's something where if you tell the bride, hey, I'm not going to bring a plus one, then she might say, you know, since you're not bringing a plus one, I'd love to invite Kate. Mm-hmm. Now that I know that that space is available. That's a great situation. Yeah. But... I get weirded out by the like, you didn't make the guest list, so now I'm going to bring my friend to add to the guest list that she didn't make to begin with. And I'm not I'm not trying to be like mean girl here about it. It's just it's awkward. And you want to be realistic. And, you know, it's someone's special day. Yeah. You want to be really careful about that. Mallory, I hope somewhere in there that we have actually answered your question. I think that you handled the situation just fine in the end. It, Like Dan said, it, it's your plus one and it's up to you. And you decided not to use it. And that's OK. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. 
Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our next question is about hard times for your child's friend and what to do. Dear Awesome Etiquette, we have a 13-year-old son who has a close friend. They are friends from school and his parents are divorced. His parents seem to get along fairly well and he has a good relationship with both. I know his mom socially, but have only briefly met his dad. Last week, our son told us over dinner one night that he had tried talking to his friend but could not get through to him. His friend later told him he had not wanted to talk because he had been crying. His friend told our son that he just found out that his dad lost his job, right before Christmas, no less. Understandably, our son was upset for his friend. We were wondering if we should talk to the friend's mom or if we should even address it. We explained to our son not to tell anyone else, even though the friend didn't mention not telling anyone else, because this type of news is not something that needs to be shared, especially at school, unless his friend decides to share it. Our instinct is to just act as we normally do and let the friend or his mother talk to us about it when or even if they want to. But then again, if our son's friend told our son, is there an expectation that we know and should offer some sort of acknowledgement or support? On a slightly different note, with a job loss, one often assumes there will be some financial hardship. We would be more than happy to offer some assistance to this family, but have no idea how to even remotely offer it, and we would hate to come across as patronizing. Is it ever a good idea to offer some financial assistance to a friend who finds themselves out of a job? If so, how do you go about the tricky prospect of helping out a friend, or in our case, more like a close acquaintance, financially? Our thought is, if we do it at all, it is best done anonymously. While our intention is good, we would never want anyone to feel indebted. And whenever money becomes involved in a relationship, there can often be feelings of inequity or even embarrassment just under the surface, no matter how well-intentioned the donation. Thanks for your input. Sincerely, trying to be supportive. Hmm. Talk about a generous heart. Indeed. And a really difficult question and situation. I think it's best probably to tackle it in parts. Go for um, it. And I want to start out by complimenting you on your really good parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, your question reminds me how important friends are. And they're important when, when times are good to share good times. And they're, they're maybe even more important when times are bad. And it's true for adults and it's true for children. And the support that your son can offer to his friend at age 13 is really remarkable and I'm sure is invaluable. Kudos to you for for raising the kind of child that someone can turn to when things are really tough. And I think that your instincts as a parent are good. I think that you're talking to your son about um, respecting people's privacy and treating information that's been shared in confidence confidentially I think is really sort of the heart of good etiquette here. And this is a great reminder to me that high schools in particular are clearing houses of information in communities. Yeah. There is so much very personal information that moves and flows around through high schools. And all teens are dealing with some version of this kind of decision-making process. And I think it's really worth keeping in mind. As far as what your son can do, I think he can continue to be a good friend. He can tell his friend that he's there for him. He's there if he ever needs to talk about anything or if anything comes up. 
that that he 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 can always let his friend know that he's there, mm-hmm. and that's probably the best thing that that he can do. And as a parent, supporting him in that, telling him that he has your support, I think is really the most important thing in this situation because the relationship that's really at the crux of this situation is between your son and his friend. And from what I see in this question, you've handled that really well. (laughs) And I think you can take confidence in terms of how you've approached that. One of the questions had been if they Mm. should talk to the mother. And my instinct is saying, no, what do you think? I think that these boys are just old enough that I think that you can take some signs from them. Well, but you also wouldn't want to, if the father hadn't yet told the mother because mm-hmm. they're split, you wouldn't want to get in the middle of that former marriage and the yeah, if, if passing not, of information. If, if you're not sensing a lot of jeopardy from this other boy, from the friend of your child, I think that you can afford to take a bit of a hands-off approach, like you said. In they fact, don't have the to manage most personal, it. you don't need to manage it or yeah. jump in unless you really sense that there's some kind of crisis moment brewing right. that, that your son and you feel needs this, to be the addressed. Safety of the, if the safety of your son's friend is starting to become a problem, that, uh, yeah, the mental safety, we would say. Absent that, the very natural discretion that I'm reading in this question, yeah. I think is really appropriate. I think so, too. There is a secondary question here that I, let's take a step back, a broader question about sure. offering financial support. How do you offer help? Do you offer help? Is it ever appropriate? How do you do it? Should you do it anonymously? Those are tough questions. Those are really tough questions. And it's so hard because they deal so much with who is the other person that you're offering help to. And some people, their sense of pride or their feeling of self-worth it makes it very hard for them to accept help from other people. And for other people, it would be the most welcome gesture, but it could be very hard to feel okay asking for that or or even receiving it. And I think you're right to tread very carefully. I thought that one of the best things they could do, because the child is really the person who is in their lives the most, who comes over for sleepovers and goes to games and stuff like that with their son— I thought that just simply more invitations to have that kid over, those are the kinds of ways I could see it. One of the problems that we're dealing with is that the father has not told this set of parents that he has lost a job and has fallen on difficult times. And I like the fact that in the question our listeners had asked about, you know, we want to wait until the son tells us or until the mother that they are socially close Mm -hmm. to tells us. And I thought that that was really respectful because this family might be trying to do, and they might also have family support. You don't know who else is supporting them. So my first instinct is to say, go towards just inviting the son to do a lot more things with your family right now, because that might be a nice way for the family to accept help that's coming to them without really even either knowing it or just being like, oh, wow, that's great. They want to take him for a weekend. It'll give me a chance to job search more or something, but without actually having to put it out in the open. But if this family did open up to you and let you know that they'd fallen on hard times, now you are privy to the information and you're in a better position to offer help, but you still don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know if it's someone that is good at receiving help or whether they just wanted to share the information so you could know. And if I was in a position to really be able to offer something free and clear of any expectation of return, that I might be willing to offer up and just say, you know, Jim, we so appreciate your son being in our life and we would love to offer to help you out right now. And if you're willing to take it, it's free and clear, no expectation of payback. This is the amount we'd be able to help out with. 
and we love having Jimmy in our life, and we would love to be able to help if you're willing to let us. And I think that could be a way to do it. I think other ways to offer to help would be to say, you know, hey, we understand it can be hard when you're out there looking for a job. We would love to, you know, offer to have Jeremy here three or four times a week for dinner just to give you the space and time to be able to do some of these things. Or if you need us to pick him up from school, we can help out any way we can to give you the flexibility to do what you need to do. I, I like you the like way that offer. <laughs> well, a, a, yeah. a couple of things I like about that offer: help taking different forms. Yeah, that help could be that doesn't necessarily be money. It can be time. It can be energy. It can be information. Yeah, those are all ways to help. I also really liked your standard of can you offer help in a way that it doesn't put a burden on someone else. Yeah. That you can do it in a way that you feel like there are no strings attached. Like you're not obligating someone or obligating yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are all good ways to think about offering help or assistance. Well, trying to be supportive, I think that you are being really supportive. And so, as is so often the case with good etiquette, that try is so important. It's how we do it as well as what we choose to do. And with the the kind of thinking that I see you applying to this situation, I'm sure you're going to find a good solution. And congratulations on, on raising a young man who people can turn to in difficult times. Our next question has to do with international guests, and it's a short one. I frequently have guests come to my home from other countries. I never know if I should try to accommodate them with foods that they are familiar with, or should I try to use a more typical American menu, albeit one that is more simple in nature? Karen. Hi, Karen. I'm going to suggest that we all think about treating international guests the way we would treat any guests, (laughs) that you think about their comfort as well as your own uh, desire to, to share and show and be a good host. If someone has a food allergy, you would ask them about it and you would modify a menu accordingly, but you would still make choices that would work for you and the other guests. And I would approach this kind of a situation in very much the same way. If there's something particular about a cuisine that a guest is familiar with, maybe it's vegetarian, maybe it doesn't include certain foods, I would make an effort to honor my guests and stay within the the dietary restrictions of a diet. But I don't think that I would feel compelled to adopt a new cuisine just because that was something that a guest was familiar with. So often the pleasure of a good meal, the pleasure of good travel is trying new things, is is sharing, is sharing across cultures. Break out the burgers and ketchup. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Yes, no, it's a great, what a great opportunity. I couldn't help it. It's like. It's so what we're known for. <laughs> it is, or, or, or the pizza, or the apple pie, or the w- whatever it might be, whatever regional oh, fried delicacy. chicken and corn on the cob. Macaroni and cheese. Yes. Sweet corn. Really, there are a, a, a thousand things that it would be. Um, American. Uh, and, and a shame to visit this country and not have an opportunity <laughs> to try. So definitely share, share your pleasure, share your joy, but definitely take into account any hard dietary restrictions that your guests might have. You can make an effort if you're going to be hosting someone for a little while to prepare some foods that are familiar with to them, to make them feel more comfortable, to make them feel more at home. Ask them about what might be good. You can you know? always ask your guests hey, what they I've might enjoy. Hey, while I've got you here, I would love for you to teach me like your favorite home-cooked meal. That might be a really nice thing for you to share together during your visit. 
And Lizzie is offering some of the absolute best advice that I could ever give to when you have an international guest or visitor. Get recipes. Get them an opportunity to cook a meal for you as well, (laughs) because um, it might turn into an experience that you'll never forget. I think so. Karen, congratulations on having such an international kitchen. I'm jealous. Continue to host great parties and continue to share. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors. Here, let's try another trick. Our next question is a classic about reciprocating thank you gifts. I've been a fan since your days on the Dinner Party Download and look forward to your latest episode each week. I especially enjoyed hearing all of the post-family voices on your holiday show. Oh, yay. Hoping we will hear from them again. My question is how to return the kindness of homemade treats. In appreciation for little kindnesses I show her at church, a lovely older parishioner periodically blesses me with homemade treats. She makes amazing varieties of pickles. All she asks is that I return her jars, which I do with a handwritten thank you. But I feel like I should reciprocate in some way. Is it rude to continue to accept her thank yous without returning her kindness? What kind of gift would you suggest? Best regards from a longtime fan, Jeff. Oh, Jeff, I love this question because I think what you're forgetting is that she is thanking you with these gifts for the little kindnesses that you do. So you do not need to then send her a thing. You do need to write the note, which you do, and return the jars, which she's asked for. But you don't actually need to then do another kindness because then then the cycle never ends. And everyone's always feeling obligated to send gifts and bring gifts and do gifts. And it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just unnecessary. So I would say with confidence, continue to do these lovely little kindnesses that you show this parishioner at church and, uh, you know, feel free and and clear and good about accepting uh, all these wonderful pickles that she sends to you and keep returning the jars and writing the thank you notes. But thank you so much for being a longtime fan. We loved getting started on Dinner Party Download. We love getting to still be a part of the Dinner Party Download. We hope more of our listeners head over there because it is a fabulous show. We really do love that people have followed us all the way through. We're a spin off, man. It's great. Good luck, Jeff. Thanks so much for writing in. This next question's about an uncomfortable gift suggestion. Dear Awesome, both of you, of course. <laughs> Good start. I do, too. I like my name being Awesome now. My college-age son has had the same girlfriend for almost a year. My wife and I would like to send her a gift card so that she can enjoy shopping and getting something for herself. Our thoughts are that it should be something that she wouldn't normally buy on her college budget. We have frequently treated them both to dinners out and have hosted them as a couple at our home. She has been delightful. Here's the dilemma. My wife asked our son, what store? He suggested Victoria's Secret. My feeling is that Victoria's Secret would not be appropriate! Exclamation point. My wife disagrees, stating that it's a good place to get the bras she probably needs, and she has been into the store with her in the past. I suppose that's logical, but I'm still uncomfortable with the concept. Even though it's just a gift card, the store doesn't seem an appropriate choice in this situation. I think we should call back and get another suggestion. Again, exclamation point. Can you settle this for us? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, yeah. Cordially, Paul and Sue. Oh, Paul and Sue. I love this question because on the one hand, I think your your wife is is right that it's like, you know— She's been into the store with her. It's just a gift card that she loves the store. No big deal. I also just want to go out on a limb and say Victoria's Secret, you can get 
really great workout gear. You can get loungewear that's just really comfy and cozy. You can get really cute pajama sets. So it doesn't have to be the stuff the store is really known for. But that being said, I... I'm not so certain I would feel comfortable getting a Victoria's Secret gift card from my boyfriend's parents. And so I want to just say that I respect where Sue is coming from. But I think that you got to remember that this is coming from Paul and Sue. And Paul's a part of this, too. And I would like to just go out there and say, Paul, it would be really easy to find a different store that has fabulous clothing that would be special for her. So by all means, feel comfortable getting a different gift card in that situation. And that goes for whatever it is, if it's the holidays, if it's a birthday, if it's a, you know, if it's a wedding present, even it's really okay for both people should be comfortable with the store that the gift card is coming from. We hope that that helps. I'm really curious as to what you actually wound up getting her, but I I do really hope that that helps. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our answers, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. And I'm going to say it again. Because we are stocking up for Dan's big vacation, we would love it if you send in many etiquette questions to us for the next month so that we can spend a lot of awesome time with you in February. Dan, Postscript, what do you think? What's going on? How do we travel abroad? Dan, just so you know, Dan's done a lot of traveling abroad. I do love to travel, and these days I do it much more for work than for pleasure the way I used to in my freewheeling youth. But I do still get to get onto a plane and get out of the country every once in a while with slightly different expectations of myself and the experience. As Pooj and I get ready for this honeymoon, we find ourselves talking a lot about what we're going to be doing about a month from now. And you and I, Wizzy, were talking about this postscript and saying, let's talk a little bit about prepping for foreign travel. And as I was driving in this morning, I turned to Pooj and I said, hey, Pooj, what would you talk about if you were talking about preparing for foreign travel? And she started to give me a list that sounded exactly like our Emily Post <laughs> list for being ready. And I thought to myself, it's either a very good list that makes sense to people, a uh, hallmark of our best advice being that it often sounds like common sense. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Pooja's been hanging out with me long enough now that she could pretty much give Emily Post talking points on most topics at this point. But so here's a, here's the list that Pooj gave me on the way in this morning that is also very similar to the list of advice that we give in our Emily Post business etiquette seminars for preparing for international travel. The first thing that I like to remind people and myself is that we live in the information age and information is currency and you want to empower yourself with information before you go anywhere these days. It's a basic courtesy to know something about the situation that you find yourself getting into. The minimum for me, the floor in this situation is that you check the Wikipedia about the country that you're going to be visiting or something like that, that you familiarize yourself with the basic politics, religion, traditions, geographic layout of a country or region that you're visiting. Familiarize yourself with major religious holidays, 
the diet or cuisine of the place that you're going to be going. There's so many very basic things that you can figure out very quickly and with just a sentence or two of information so that you've got a little bit of an idea of what to expect. You're so much better equipped to deal with whatever you find. With a little more time, you can expand that research step. You can read guidebooks. You can start to dig a little deeper than just the Wikipedia article on the web. There's so much information, everything from the CIA to the Lonely Planet have incredible resources out there for your foreign travel experience. That information step leads me into the next step of preparation, which for me is a step of mental preparation, that preparing yourself for a new or different situation is oftentimes the best thing you can do. The unexpected will happen, the unplanned will occur, and your ability to be nimble, flexible, gracious, at ease as those difficulties arise, as those accidents happen is a big part of how well you're going to navigate the experience and how much you're going to enjoy it. So I think preparing yourself for that ahead of time is um, a big step to dealing with it well when it actually happens. Part of that mental preparation, that information preparation, is also planning. So actual planning for the trip itself. And one of my best tips for planning for the trip is to plan time for recovery into your experience. Pooch was reminding me that oftentimes you land halfway around the world and the time of day is different, the time on your watch is different, and that allowing yourself a little bit of a a lag period to adjust, to recover, is absolutely critical. You can push through. You can hammer on. But it's not your home bed. It's not your home situation. And the the same routine that you run every day might not support you in that new environment or situation. The other part of the planning step is planning your itinerary, knowing a little something about where you're going ahead of time, but then also bringing <laughs> what you need to survive that situation. If you've done your first two steps well, you should be in good shape. If you know a little bit about where you're going, you know a little bit about the climate that you expect to land in, you can pack better for it. If you know a little something about the culture that you're going to land in, you can pack a tire that's appropriate for it. If you know a little something about the diet in the region that you're going, you can plan with whatever it is you need to survive a diet. Maybe it's a little bit of Pepto-Bismol or maybe it's... <laughs> maybe it's just getting accustomed to some of the flavors that you're going to be eating so that you kind of know the differences between a couple of the things that are really common foods that you're going to find everywhere. Before you get there. Yeah. Absolutely. Things like if, <laughs> if you've done your information stuff, well, you know what the power is like in the country that you're going to be getting to. Oh, so you adapters. know whether or not you can plug in your favorite devices, the devices that we depend on so often for everything from shaving to figuring out where we're going next. That also goes to looking into your phone plans and figuring out whether you're going to be able to use them, right? Another good part of the planning step. Oftentimes, phones are available in countries that you land in, even if your American phone isn't going to work in an international environment. Sometimes there's international plans available for a phone that you can turn on when you're traveling. And it's funny that we start to talk about communication because my last tip, and it's one of my favorites, and it asks a little bit more of all of us, is that your willingness to engage with the language in the country or region that you're landing in is so, so, so important. And for me, the absolute minimum, the minimum threshold for entry is that you're willing to learn some magic words. I think you should start with please and thank you or some version of please and thank you. It's also a really good idea to learn how to handle basic greetings and introductions, how to introduce yourself, how to figure out someone else's name, then please, then thank you. And then you might even branch out into some um, really complicated territory like where's the bathroom and how much is that? Mm -hmm. Some really basic phrases are going to open so many doors. Your willingness to try is going to open so many doors even if you find yourself somewhere where many, many people speak English. 
Those more, are good tips. More on foreign travel coming. I was going to say, that's a, a great starter <clears throat> list, though. A lot of that's about preparation, but I think that um, an ounce of preparation is often worth a pound of cure. <laughs> we will definitely keep you posted with itineraries and updates as the departure date approaches. How long now before you'll be going out to make your own way in the world? Not very long, I guess. And whatever you do, wherever you go, you'll want to put your best foot forward. Each week, we like to end our show on a positive note, and today's etiquette salute comes from Martha in Brooklyn. I just want to give first a big shout out to all of our New Yorkers and and Brooklynites who are sending in these fabulous um, salutes that we have of people being awesome in the city. And I just I think it's awesome. I, I really, really do. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I just want to pass along an etiquette salute that happened to me this afternoon on the way home from work. When I left my office today in the Wall Street area of Manhattan, it was pouring rain and very windy, and the sidewalks were very crowded as it was just after 5 p.m. I didn't have an umbrella or jacket, but decided to just brave it and walk quickly to the subway. While I was walking, a man near me with a giant golf umbrella sped up to get right next to me and told me that he, quote, had me covered and to walk with him, and he would hold his umbrella over both of us. For the three or so blocks to the subway, he walked right beside me, making sure to pace with me step for step. So instead of being totally soaked by the rain while fending off hundreds of umbrellas on the crowded sidewalk as I tried to move through the crowd quickly to get to shelter, I arrived at the subway dry and calm. I, of course, thanked him profusely, but wanted to pass this along to you to send praise out into the podcast universe. He certainly had no obligation to walk with me to cover for my own mistake in not checking the weather and planning accordingly, but it was such a kind and thoughtful thing to do. Best, Martha from Brooklyn. Hip hip hooray! And thank you, Martha, for sharing that with us. I love this image of a mysterious stranger just showing up with an umbrella and protecting you in the rain. Hero for the day. You see what I mean about putting your best foot forward? Well, that's our show for today. And thank you for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So please, please, please send us your etiquette questions, your comments and your suggestions. And of course, your etiquette salutes. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Oh,